Whatever we are, we we are changing. We are we are being changed by our environment and by our experiences and by our trauma and by our struggles and by our discoveries and by what we learn and and by God Himself. Welcome to the Influencers Podcast. We are here to see the influence of your life grow, develop, to make your world a better world and the world that we live in. We're talking about seasons today. Every life goes through seasons. Do you know the season of life that you're in? Do you know how to make the most of that season? How do you help the people around you in the seasons of life they find themselves? Today, we're going to look with our wonderful guest, Brian Saunders, into the six seasons of calling. I'm joined today as a co-host with the wonderful Mindy Wagner. She is a communication, leadership, and development coach. Put her on your prayer list, please. She works as the administrative assistant to our co-founder, Dave Donaldson, who is absent for some strange reason from the podcast. Mindy gets to work right. She's the glue that holds us together on this program and in this work, and we're glad that you're with us. Mindy, thanks for joining us here on the podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, Scott. It is great to be with you. And I don't know, I think that thing at CityServe has a lot to do with herding cats, but it's great. We need some strong women to help us. And we're glad you're with us. Hey, we're talking about the seasons of life. I don't know, Mindy, have you thought about the season of life that you are in? You know, I have. I think it's a thing that a lot of us mm, get to a certain point in our life and we start we start thinking more about this. And then Brian's book comes along and he's talking about our calling and how maybe that changes or shapes through the years. And I love that. So the more I dug into this book, the more I felt like what he's talking about, where I'm at, is in that whole season of giving. This, I'm at a certain age and a certain station in life, and it just resonated with me. So I'm so excited to talk to Brian and learn more about these books. Scott, I have one quick question for you, which is, where do you feel like your season of life or where your calling sits? Does it change well, not for to, you? Not to be outdone by you. If you're going to be generous, I'm going to be generous as well. I'm going to be in giving. I have some creativity. I'm still trying to learn some things. So maybe I'm a crossbreed. I don't know. We'll find out as we talk about the six seasons of calling with Brian Saunders, who is really our, our, our wisdom giver today. We're glad you're with us, Brian. He has started hundreds of missional enterprises in churches, nonprofits, businesses. He's the founder and former executive director of the Underground Network, which is an international fellowship of microchurches. He has an undergraduate degree in communications, graduate degree in religious studies, and another in applied theology. For 20 years, he's lived an intentional life in an inner city with his wife, Monica, and their six wonderful children. And Brian, we want to welcome you to the Influencers Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. What a us. treat. Uh, thanks for inviting me. You, you, the term that we read was social entrepreneur. That's an interesting title. And can you just tell us what that is? Probably as with all titles, it's, it's uh, less, less amazing than it sounds. <clears throat> no, I, I suppose it's just um, starting things that aren't necessarily 
with a profit motive. You know, uh, you know, there's these emerging categories in our time of not just for-profit and not-for-profit, but even for-benefit companies, you know, B Corps. Or, so you have, you have the notion that, you know, you can, entrepreneurs aren't just starting businesses for the sake of profit. So social entrepreneurship is just starting something with the intention of doing good in the world. So that could be planting a church. Uh, it could be starting a nonprofit. Uh, it could be starting a business that is intended to bring some sort of benefit or lift to the world around it. So that's that's probably all it means. Uh, so what's the good that you're trying to bring through your life, the mission of your college? Yeah, interesting. I'm, you know, I've just, according to my own taxonomy, I've just moved into to day five. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm 49 now, so I've just moved into day five. And, and I would say that's a sort of, you stop wanting to be the center of everything. You know, the, the maker, creator, person, the the CEO, the person driving the thing. And maybe, maybe you want to give some of that experience away and you start seeing yourself more as maybe a mentor. And so... Yeah, I mean, that's where I am, too. Uh, I've moved away from, from the director role of the organization I started 15 years ago, and I'm working with the National Christian Foundation in, in, in collective impact and creating alliances around key causes. Um, I'm working with a, with a for-benefit company called Cohatch, which is expanding all over the United States to create kind of lifestyle co-working spaces that serve the community and create environments where people can flourish and thrive and that also has kind of a, a Jesus component to it uh, behind it but it's it's not a Christian company per se but uh, so th those are the two big uh, pots I'm stirring right now and of course I'm still involved in the church planting innovation micro church space as well in fact we have a we have a conference coming up next weekend uh, here in Florida for micro churches so I'm still I still am a little bit of a voice in that arena as well Maybe it would be helpful for our uh, friends listening to walk us through the six stages, the six seasons of life's calling so they can understand the, the terms we're yeah. throwing out. Well, I, I, love the, I love the metaphor, the image of God creating the whole world, the universe, I guess, in, in six days. And, and, and to think of our own lives in, in those terms, to think of whatever the duration of our life is, it's, it's, it's you know, been given to us and and presumably to create something to to become something in the world uh, and so I just you know I, I think that that whatever we are we we are changing we are we are being changed by our environment and by our experiences and by our trauma and by our struggles and by our discoveries and by what we learn and, and by God himself you know so there, there's more than one change or transition in the course of our lives. I'm making the argument there are six. So just try, sort of imagining your life as a week, you know, uh, and thinking of those as 12-year segments, um, essentially. So 0 to 12 being day 1, 12 to 24 is day 2, 24 to 36, day 3, and so on. And I, and I, I sort of see these developmental patterns in each of those 12-year segments that kind of hold up uh, in, in terms of the way people tend to develop both as disciples, but even just as people who are pursuing careers or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, my, my argument is day one is, is, is the call to be a child, day two, 12 to 24, to be a student, 
day three to be a servant, a, a team member, uh, day four to be um, a maker, creator of something, uh, day five to be a mentor, day six to be a mystic, and then of course day seven is eternity, it's rest, it's reward, it's um, you know reigning with Christ Jesus and whatever it is to come, you know. So that's that's the the taxonomy essentially. It's fascinating, Brian. I have two questions to piggyback on that. The first one is that you you say these you lay these out in more or less age brackets, and is it pretty consistent across the populations that the age brackets? Because you made this reference, you said, well, I'm 49 now, and so that moves me to day five. Do you find that it'd be pretty consistent or, you know, the outliers that still works for them? They were late bloomers. They, they are whatever. They're, they're still in the maker stage, but they're late in their year. You know, how does that work? And then that second one is bring us all back to this idea that what you're saying says that calling's not static. And I think we've thought this way for a really long time. Oh, God called me to this. And like, what happened when this changes? Like, I like how you talk about it being dynamic. So talk to us more about those two things. Well, you know, look, the first two days are, are somewhat established, you know, um, what would be called early childhood development, you know, before puberty, um, you know, zero to 12 ish, you know, of course it's not exact, is it? But, but puberty is a pretty big turning point in the life of a human person, you know, so, uh, as we all remember, or maybe we don't remember. Um, but in fact, I remember one of my, one of my kids, when they were 13, they, they drew this, they were, he was sort of artistic, and he drew this picture of himself, like awkward with his pants hanging out and pimples all over his face. And he said, darn you, puberty. That was the caption underneath it. So it's a rough, it's a rough transition, that is. Uh, so 0 to 12, that's already kind of an established thing. And then interestingly enough, in terms of our, our neurological development, 24 is actually a really big turning point in the life of your brain, you know, that the, actually the prefrontal cortex are, is not really finished developing until about 24, 25 years old. So those things are kind of established. So we can look at at least day one and day two, and we do. Most of the work in, in terms of growth and development is in early childhood and in adolescent development. But I would say there's maybe a, a gap there in, in understanding adult development. So, so that, okay, we see all these stages in, in the life and the change and the evolution and the, and the development of a child because you can see them being transformed before, the, before your eyes, you know. Uh, but, but what about adults? You know, do adults just sort of, once you turn 24, 25, that's it? And you're the same person till, the, till you die? No, of course that isn't the case. But then where are those other markers? So, you know, I'm making an argument. It's a theory. I, I suppose read it you know, see what you think, see how it fits for you. But, but, you know, some of what I'm arguing is that um, not just that our calling is dynamic, that God is sort of walking with us through the changes of our lives. <clears throat> and that as we hit these major turning point or major changes in our lives, you know, he's right there, both creating unrest, a feeling of like, mm, this isn't right. Like who I have been in this last season, this last 10 years or something like that. Does, it feels like something else is coming and I'm supposed to become something else. And that, that identity crisis that that creates is actually something for me that's very sacred and actually quite beautiful and important. And it's not just for 20-year-olds to feel that sense of who am I and, and what's next for me and 
and who am I supposed to be now that the kids have left the house or now that I've lost this job or now that my spouse has died or divorced or, or these, these, these incredible tectonic shifts that happen in the course of our life. You know, to say kind of like whatever God spoke to you when you were 25, that's it. Even through all of those incredibly massive shifts or changes in our lives, that, that just can't be right, you know. So I think God is right there with us walking through those transitions. And really, ultimately, uh, we are becoming something more than we were early on. So we're capable of more. And I also see them as somewhat uh, sequential, that they build on each other. The, the lessons we learn in each of these days of our lives are lessons we need for the next one. And so I'm just not sure, Mindy, if you can rush it, you know. So I would say like day three, 24 to 36, is about learning how to serve, learning how to be, to be a follower, learning how to be a good follower before you're a leader, learning what your skills are, what you're good at, what you're bad at, trying lots of things. Now, that doesn't mean you don't lead during that time, but maybe you're not the primary driving leader of something. And that, if that's about character acquisition, then can you really rush that? I mean, can you... Can you do that in two years? You know, can you do a, an intensive, truncated version of character development? Probably not. So I, I think some of us are so ambitious or achievement-oriented, we might imagine that, well, I could, do, I could do day three in five years, you know, or something. But I don't know. I would argue, no, you can't. That, you, we just, that these, these are just seasons, like we say. And seasons, we don't have control over the seasons. You know, they, they're coming when they're coming, and then they're going to end when they end. So, so the title of your book, Six Seasons of Calling, the definitive language you would use to define what a calling is, how would you put words to that? Well, you know, it's interesting, Scott, calling is, is, has become a very secular word. You know, it's, it's become something that's used very, um, you know, it's ubiquitous. Everybody can, t- I have a calling to be a teacher or a nurse or something like that. And it can have nothing to do with God, you know. And I, and I think, I think maybe the, the more mystical sense of it, the, you know, the, the original idea of hearing a voice say something to you, you know, that how can you really, mm-hmm. so, so my pushback to my, my friends who, who maybe don't have a faith position, who would use the word calling, would say, well, who, who are you hearing? Like, who, who's, who's doing the calling? So it implies that there's a person. Mm-hmm. And, and think of how breathtaking that is, that, that to believe that there is someone who knows you by name, and who has called mm-hmm. you first to himself, and that all that that means, the inti- that that sort of core desire that all human beings have for intimacy, and then also he's called you to himself and has something for you to do, some unique assignment that only you can do in the world. And that mm-hmm. that second connotation has to do with probably the second greatest desire that we have as a human being, which is for purpose, for a sense of significance, that our lives aren't meaningless. You know that that we that we are the. the we aren't futile, you know, in terms of what we do with our lives. And so to me, that's calling is hearing the voice actually of God, a personal God who knows you by name, call you first to himself and to deliver that deepest possible sense of intimacy with him. And then to have something specific for you to do in the world, some assignment for you, presumably within his mission to, to make the world, to conform the world into the image of his son to prepare the world, really, for his son, to bear witness to the kingdom which is to come. So, you know, to me, those are the two connotations. When I use the word calling, that's what I mean. 
And, and if someone is listening and they they say, man, I blew my 20s, my 30s were a mess, I'm now in my 40s or my 50s, can they receive a calling in this season if the last season they wish they could forget? <laughs> That's the beauty of it, isn't it? That that, that if 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 the if we stra- strain the metaphor here, you know, in 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 creation, the the writer of Genesis gives us this um, this beautiful sort of poetic language of it was it was morning, it was evening, the first day, you know, and so you have this gap between evening and morning of the next day, and that's dark and unknowing and uncertainty and confusion and a void, a nothingness. But then it begins again. So even if we blew our 20s or blew our 30s, the the point is, you know, a 48-year-old, a 60-year-old can wake up to Mm -hmm. the the morning that they're in, to the morning of their calling. And look, I've seen this. I've seen the same excitement and the same sense of wonder and renewal and renaissance in a 60-year-old person, as I do in a 24-year-old person, when they do this, when they sort of come back to God and say, who am I now? And what do you have for me? And to get that fresh sense, that that newness of the morning, that fresh sense of like, wow, there's something specific God wants me to do in this next next phase of my life, this next season of my life. And it rejuvenates you. It, it so, so even if the last one was garbage, you know, uh, the, the, the newness of the morning, it sort of washes that away, doesn't it? great hope in that. Yeah, that's a beautiful that's a beautiful way to look at it. Sorry, Scott. You had a thought. No, go ahead, Mindy. Yeah. Yeah, I I love that idea just how the whole day, the circle of it and the between the evening and the morning, it's dark and things happen there, you know, maybe growth awareness, maybe not. And then so not to get too caught in the weeds on this. So you're 60 to Scott's question and you have this moment to like what you're saying, you say, oh my gosh, there's there's actually a purpose here for me. Brian, does your experience and what you see then that it is also sequential, that even at that age bracket, maybe it's that calling, that season of leaving, or maybe it's serving. Do they, you know, sometimes just mix up? Well, I, I think you never lose the lesson of the previous day. So, 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 I, I'm so saying, you know, what, what we're meant to learn as children is to be children, to be nothing other than a child, and to realize that that is foundational to who we're meant to be as people, to always be a child. This is how you enter the kingdom. This is how you understand Jesus. This is how you understand where the kingdom is. So you never really lose that. We're always children of God. We're not adults of God. We're always meant to be children of God. That is what we are. But then you learn to be a student and a learner. And you don't stop being a child, and you don't stop being a student when you become going to day three you keep being a learner your whole life when you're 60 you're still a learner and you're still a child you know you're still a a son or a daughter of god and then you become you know a servant and you never stop being a servant so you know a 70 year old is still a servant still knows how to be that but they build on that you see what i mean so you you understand yourself as a child of god you understand yourself as a lifelong learner you understand yourself as a servant you understand yourself as a maker as someone who can create something world and you keep doing all of those things you understand yourself as a mentor and in that sixth day this my argument is in that sixth day when you become this sort of mystical person with one foot in this world and one foot in the next thinking about eternity in a different way narrowing your focus to to both mystery and love which is the obsession of day six 
to a, a mature day six person, of course, you're still a child and still a servant and still a learner and still a creator and still a mentor to people. Uh, you know, you're all of those things. It's, and and if, if I'm right, um, you can sort of see how somebody who's in their, you know, 70s, 60s, 70s is just a treasure to the world, actually. And what a mistake we make when we alienate mm -hmm. or isolate the people in our lives that are that in that age bracket. Uh, well, how, how, how much poorer we are. Now, of course, not everyone's not mature. Everyone's not chasing Jesus the full course of their life. But people that are and that, and that have run that race, man, they're, they're special. I think that's one of the reasons why the scriptures say that a real revival or knowledge of God turns the hearts of the fathers towards the children and the hearts of the children towards the fathers that the generations wow. come together and and you have a young generation you've got six kids which may show your fascination with the number six <laughs> they, they they range they range in what age how old are your kids right well they're all adults now except for one we just have the 13 year old left um the last one hanging on straggling uh so they're yeah 13 to 20 eight, 27, something. I have two grandkids now, two grandsons, little guys. Did, did you have this theory in your own mind as they were growing up and how did you use it to kind of prepare them for their journey into life? Yeah, I, pr I probably started developing this about seven years ago. So they, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have, um, well, I'm sure, I'm sure some of what I know about adolescence I've learned from watching them. <laughs> drag me through adolescence, you know, uh, but even that, you know, that idea of, 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 you know, an adolescent is primarily called to learn and, pr and how we learn is by testing, by experimentation, by pushing the boundaries of things. So a lot of what gets classified in our hearts as parents as rebellion, maybe actually isn't really rebellion. Actually, they're, they're just being who they're supposed to be. They're, they're figuring out the world by saying, is that right? Is that true? Is that really how it works? Um, and so, you know, e even that in my own experience is kind of like, I, I, I probably was alert to that at some level and, and trying to let my kids test the world, including me, including our, our belief about God or Jesus or faith or church or whatever, and to let them ask their questions, you know, and to let them have their doubts and to let them come to their own conclusions. I'd say that's actually... Uh, been important for my kids to actually be people of faith, you know, to come to those conclusions on their own because they were allowed to test them, test the assumptions. And, and then we as influencers, and then we want to be influential in our workplace, in our in our coffee shop, in our community. How does this way of looking at life and other human beings help us to help them? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, all taxonomies are imperfect, aren't they? I mean, they're just they're just an attempt to kind of make sense of the chaos of what life can feel like sometimes. But I but I but but you know, it can be it can be really helpful to have shared language about something like change or transitions in our lives. So I, I'd say when we come face to face with one of our friends or someone we're leading that's going, I just, I just feel like I'm out of place or I feel like something's wrong in my life or I feel like it's just my life isn't working. Like, I don't know why. It just doesn't seem right. That we don't panic. Uh, that maybe even we, maybe we even take note of their age or take, I, I always ask people, how old are you? So when they start telling me something like that, I say, how old are you? And I think, oh, okay, yeah. It's perfectly normal. And that can be very comforting 
for someone to say, there's nothing wrong with you. And actually that restlessness, that, that, that identity, that crisis of identity is meant to happen several times in our lives. And I argue that that crisis of identity is meant to drive us back into the place of prayer to seek God again, to seek the face of God again, as we did when we were beginning our careers, you know, because because he's the only one that can define who you are. So that circle of crisis and identity is like, who am I now? Lord, only you can answer that. And then for him to say, this is who you are. And then to refresh that sense of mission. So go and do this new thing. And, and often that struggling, that dark night of the soul, that, that period of confusion feels like something's wrong and actually nothing is wrong. So I'd say as leaders, when we walk other people through their transitions and we see them going through these kind of transitions in their lives to say, this, this is not only normal and perfectly fine, it's actually a holy thing. And love it, embrace it, press into it, you know, go for it. And, um, you know, here's, here's what I've gone through. This is how I do it or whatever, how I've experienced that. I think it just can, it can lift a huge weight. And then, of course... Mm. To, to experience the dawn, the new dawn that can come after that. And to walk with people through that can be amazing. And even helping them um, creatively imagine what could be next for them. You know, I'd say that's a lot of yeah. what we do as leaders is to help people dream and imagine uh, who they can be or who they're meant to be at, at not just this phase of life, but in the future ones as well. It's mm. excellent. I love all of it. And I just think you're, you're the six seasons of calling, the way you lay this out, it speaks to everyone. And I love that. Particularly those of us in a faith perspective with a God perspective and a Jesus perspective. But I love how you recognize it integrates children and really all of us. I just think it works. The book is called The Six Seasons of Calling, and we'd love people to be able to read, discover a little bit more, especially this idea of calling that they are they haven't missed their calling if they are later on in life and even if they're beginning their journey. How can people connect with you, connect with your 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 thoughts, your taxonomy, taxonomy and just get a hold of the book? Well, getting a hold of me is harder uh, than than it's not as easy as it once was, but uh, but the book is available, I suppose, anywhere that books are sold, you know, Amazon, so on. Um, so please, yeah, please help yourself check it out. I think there's actually an audiobook version meant to be out very soon here. So I have, lo loads of my friends are like, bro, I'm not going to read it, you know, but but when the audiobook comes out, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> so that's happening. But uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be, it, would, it would be a a, a treat of delight uh, if this is a gift to the people as they read it. Again, the name of the book is The Six Seasons of Calling. Brian, I loved when you said you never lose the lessons of the previous day, that God will use everything from our past, the good, the bad, the ugly, to pull us forward to the person he wants us to be. And thank you so much for sharing with us, for thinking deeply and sharing broadly this message just to think about other humans and to see God has a hand in their life and he is calling 
and we just want people to hear what he's saying to them. So thank you so much for spending time with us. Of course, Mindy, a great joy to be with you on the Influencers Podcast and everyone that's listening. Keep listening. We want to see your life grow, develop, and become the person God's calling you to be. And God is calling today. I hope you're listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Influencers Podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. If you enjoy our content, we would love for you to subscribe and have the opportunity to tune in to future podcasts. You can follow us on all social media platforms at the Influencers Podcast Official. You can stay up to date, hear more inspiring content, and unlock your full potential as an influencer. Remember to use your influence to create lasting change that draws the world closer to Jesus.